this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 61 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. I am back to podcasting with a new microphone, a fresh new musical intro, and lots of fun new ideas for my next podcast season. It certainly has been a while since my last episode, now hasn't it? Six months, to be exact. I wanted to send a special thank you out to all of you returning listeners. I so appreciate your patience with me and your support while I've been away. I also appreciate your not forgetting about me and for choosing to tune into the podcast once again after such a long break. So why has it been so long? Well... For those of you who don't know, it's been a busy six months over here. Shortly after I last recorded, my entire family tirelessly worked pretty much non-stop shipping out copies of Coastal Knits books to all of you who ordered it. Thank you very much. And then, just when we started to get caught up on book packaging and shipping, we welcomed a new baby into our family, my little son, born at the beginning of November. And ever since that time, it's been pretty much insane caring for a new baby, my six-year-old daughter, the house, the pattern business, and also working on new design projects. It's been so hectic, in fact, that a few months ago, I thought that I had really made up my mind. I wasn't going to return to the podcast. I thought. But then I took my postpartum self, my three-month-old baby, and my husband to Stitches West in February. And although it was quite an adventure, traveling with a newborn and being a vendor at the show, it was so great to reconnect with all of the knitting friends I haven't seen in a very long time, and all of the podcast listeners in person. Over and over again, knitters stopped by the booth and asked me about the podcast. And I was really touched by this, and just taken aback by the sheer volume of knitters, that told me that they really enjoyed the podcast and that they didn't want it to end and that they wanted to hear more. And it's because of these knitters that I'm recording here today. So thank you. Thank you for giving me that push and the encouragement that I needed to get back to the microphone. I'm happy to report that my sweet baby boy is now five months old and life has calmed down somewhat and we're all now starting to get into a nice routine. I now finally feel ready, and that I have the time available to devote to this podcast. Because if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. So I'm very happy to be back. Since the birth of my son, I've honestly had an on-again, off-again relationship with my knitting. Now, I've wanted to knit, but I've just had so much less time, and I've been so tired. You know, it's the craziest thing. These babies, they want to eat and be held and, and for some reason, get their diaper changed. I'm very fortunate. My son is very sweet and a very laid-back little guy. But he is still a baby. And babies, they just don't understand or even care about the importance of knitting. How dare they? The first few months were the hardest. I was so exhausted during that time that I felt like I couldn't even get through one row of knitting. Oftentimes, when I did have a little bit of time to myself, I would sit down on my chair 
and just hold my knitting in my lap. As weird as that sounds, it gave me some sort of comfort. I would hold it as if I was going to actually knit it, but I would rarely even knit one stitch. I think that working so heavily on the book Coastal Knits over the summer and having the baby right after that time pretty much just did me in. I can't remember ever being so tired. And of course, let's not forget, there's the whole staying up all night with a baby thing, too. So because of all this, I haven't knit as much as I would have liked to in the past six months. But I am proud of myself for what I did end up accomplishing. Since his birth, I have knit a baby hat for him, a little knitted toy for a friend's baby, and five new designs. And actually, now that I'm actually thinking about this and counting this up, I think that's pretty good for a postpartum knitter. All of those evenings spent dozing on the couch with my untouched knitting in my lap really made me feel like I wasn't accomplishing anything. But I guess I was more productive than I thought. Granted, all of these designs were pretty small projects, so that helps too. The first design I completed was my Winter Trails hat pattern that features a textury cable within a cable design that to me resembles trails left in the snow from skiers. I chose to knit up this hat in the lovely organic yarn from the Fiber Company in the Arctic Tundra colorway, which is the most perfect shade of white. I know, you're thinking, it's white, who cares? But I'm telling you, there is a perfect shade, and this is it. I don't always think that like a stark white is always a flattering color on a person, but this is a very soft color. It's just gorgeous. Now this happens to be the same yarn and colorway that Hannah Fettig used on her Rocky Coast cardigan from Coastal Knits, and when I saw that sweater in person, I just fell in love with that yarn, and I've wanted to use it ever since. It's seriously a fabulous yarn. It's so soft, it has this lovely sheen and drape, and it was just really a perfect fit for this new pattern. Winter is now over for many of us, but I still invite you to check out the pattern just the same. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's a fun fast knit on size 8 needles, and I think it would make a really beautiful gift. The other designs that I have completed have yet to be published. One was for a magazine, and the others will be published by me at a later date. Which brings me to an exciting announcement. If you enjoyed our book, Coastal Knits, you'll be happy to know that Hannah and I will be releasing a new pattern collection shortly called Coastal Kids. Here we have taken four of our favorite sweaters from the book and we'll be offering them in child size versions ranging from size 6 months to children's size 14. These patterns will be available for purchase individually as PDF downloads and also sold in print at yarn shops around the world. At this point, all of the garments are knit, the photography's done, and we're just working on the final details of the pattern design. So I'm happy to say that these should be available very soon. I am really excited about my two sweaters because as I was designing the adult versions for Coastal Knits, I was already thinking about how great they would be in children's sizes too. And when, or maybe I should say if, I ever get to be able to fit into the original adult sweaters again. It will be so fun to have matching sweaters with my daughter. 
I am one of those moms who finds matching mommy and child sweaters adorable, but Jess has never gotten around to actually making a set. It's funny because as much as I like the adult versions, I think I love the kids' versions even more. Because once you see a miniature version of something you like, it's just so adorable. Hannah and I really look forward to sharing this fun little collection with you soon, and I will be sure to go into more detail about the garments in the following episode. So currently, now that that is almost done, I'm now continuing to work on more patterns for a personal design collection that I plan on releasing in the future. I already have one design done, and I have lots of swatches and sketches in place for the others. And I'm really enjoying working on it, because things have really turned for the better around here. Over the past few weeks, my husband and I have been transitioning the baby into sleeping in his crib, in his own bedroom that he shares with his sister, and I've been putting both of them to bed by 8 o'clock. So for the first time in a long time, I have some time to myself in the evenings, and I feel like a whole new person. I find myself brimming with new ideas and happily knitting away, just like the good old days. It's amazing what a little free time and a little extra sleep can do for a knitter. Because of being a podcaster and a blogger, publishing companies are often sending me the latest book titles for me to review. It's been quite a while since I've done a book review, and I fear that I have accumulated quite an enormous collection of knitting books, to the point where my bookshelf is completely full. And now it's taking over my clothing closet, so something obviously needs to be done here. So for this podcast season, I would like to focus on getting rid of some of these knitting books, and spreading the knitting book love around by sending them out to you listeners. So each episode, everyone listening can enter my new book drawing and get a chance to win the book featured. This episode, I will be talking about the book titled My Grandmother's Knitting by Larissa Brown, published in 2011. Now I have a funny story about Larissa. I actually met this author in person when I was visiting Portland, Oregon a few years back. I was at a yarn store chatting with some local knitters, Larissa included. Later, when Larissa got up, another knitter pointed to her and told me in hushed tones, That's Larissa Brown, the author of Knit Along. Now, being quite familiar with that book, I thought that that was really cool and promptly tracked Larissa down to have her sign a copy for me. She was really nice, and it was great to meet her. Now, fast forward a little bit in 2010... I received an email from Larissa while she was working on this current book, My Grandmother's Knitting, and she asked me if my daughter and I wanted to model some knitwear for her new book. Now, at that time, I was unfortunately going through somewhat of a medical crisis and could not participate, and I was really disappointed about that, because how fun would that have been? I thought of all of that again while flipping through the pages of this lovely book. Now, I don't know what Larissa had in mind, but that would have been really, really, really cool and fun to have seen pictures of us included, my daughter especially. My Grandmother's Knitting is an enjoyable book for so many reasons. In it, she interviews several well-known designers who not only contribute patterns, but the stories of their families 
and the people who have influenced and inspired their creative lives. I loved reading these stories, and I especially loved seeing little kid pictures of designers such as Miss Olda Teague, Jared Flood, Anne Hansen, Meg Swanson. It was so cute and really fun for sure. The patterns themselves are also very special because they have been inspired by these designers' families and special memories. I found the book to be very well thought out and very nicely done, and I think it's a charming book that many of you would enjoy as well, to read and also to knit from. I'll be sharing a link to the book's information in this episode's show notes, but please, if I've piqued your interest and you are interested in owning a copy of your own, Remember to leave a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 61 to enter to win. I'll be posting all of the drawing details for you. So in this special new episode, I have one of my personal knitting stories to share with you this time. My story entitled... Coming clean. In case you didn't know, there can be a downside to being a knitter. Ever since I learned to knit, people have wanted to give me things. Yarn, half-finished projects, old knitting needles and crochet hooks, even cross-stitch supplies. Because if you knit, you must cross-stitch too, right? The problem with all of this is that all of these things I've been offered and given have rarely ever been items that I actually wanted. Usually I end up feeling quite uncomfortable and awkward as people empty their closets and unload their unwanted knitting-related items on me. Their grandma's orange, scratchy acrylic yarn from 30 years ago, that half-finished sweater their mother started that reeks of cigarette smoke. They don't want these things. They don't have any use for them, but they feel terrible throwing them away at the same time. They don't knit, but they know somebody that does. Me. But I don't want it either. Yes, I've been the reluctant recipient of so many strange knitting things, accepting them purely out of politeness. But not to be too negative, I have received a couple of very nice and useful items. But truthfully, most of the time, they're strange, they're outdated, and maybe even a little bit scary. And out of all of these things that I've inherited over the years, one of the most memorable and guilt-inducing was the item in this story. This tragic tale begins approximately seven years ago now. I was newly pregnant with my daughter, and I received a call from a very sweet elderly family friend, a woman now widowed that I had known since childhood. She called to tell me that she had something special for me and asked if I would come on over. I assumed she had a gift for the baby or something. So I went over and visited that same house I had been to since I was five years old. The house with the picket fence and the candy dish on the coffee table. The house that always smelled like garlic. After chatting a while, she told me that she had heard that I had become interested in knitting, and she pointed to a large basket in the corner. Uh-oh, I could see where this was going. She instructed me to open it, and inside I found several skeins of yellowed, acrylic, garlic-scented yarn, 
a pattern book from the 1970s, and a few very, very long cabled panels. I would soon learn that these were the beginning of a very large and very complex cabled afghan. I politely unfolded and examined the pieces and listened as she talked about this project, how she had started it years ago and couldn't finish it now because she was no longer able to work the stitches. She was definitely a proficient knitter in her day, and I could see that by the beauty of her work. All of those intricate cables. I admired her knitting ability and complimented her on her fine stitching. And then it happened. She says to me, I'm so glad you like it. I want you to have it. I want you to finish it and keep it for yourself. Yes, me, because I knit. I have to admit, when she said this, I did have a moment's fantasy of actually completing this acrylic cable thing and presenting it to her all finished, all complete, in all of its cabled glory. She would be so proud of me. But let me just first explain. It wasn't like this afghan was three-quarters of the way done. It wasn't even a quarter of the way done. This blanket was comprised of strips of six-foot-long, complicated iron cables that would then be sewn together. This was no minor feat. This was the project of a lifetime, especially to a newer knitter like I was at the time. It was the type of project that would take an entire calendar year to complete. A completely momentous, time-sucking thing that nearly no one would ever actually attempt. Most of me in that moment was screaming no on the inside. But part of me, being the nice girl that I am, really did want to finish it for her. But realistically, with a baby on the way, sitting down with this complicated, scratchy afghan was really the last thing I wanted to do. My head was filled with ideas for cute and tiny little baby knits, and although admittedly the afghan pattern was quite striking, I would never have chosen to make something this time-consuming and pretty out of such a scratchy and uncomfortable yarn. Although I was touched that she wanted to hand down this project to me, I immediately tried to get out of it. I told her as politely as possible that although it was lovely, I doubt I would ever have the time to work on it, with the baby coming and all. Now maybe at this time she felt that I was trying to be polite, refusing or something, because she insisted that I take it. But really, I wasn't trying to be polite. I really, I really did not want it. And believe me, I tried everything to not leave with this basket. I used every possible excuse and worked every angle. But she just would not take no for an answer. And to make matters worse, she kept saying that she couldn't wait to see it when it was all done. Talk about pressure. There was no way out. She was going to make sure that I was leaving with that basket. And as awkward as I felt about the whole thing, I did. Because I was raised to respect my elders, and I guess I didn't feel right about arguing with her, and I didn't want to be rude, and I guess I just didn't want to let her down. She wanted me to have it. The pressure was intense. So that night, I went home, owned up to my newfound responsibility, opened up this basket, and got to work. I will never forget the squeak of the garlicky acrylic yarn on my stainless steel straight needles as I struggled to follow the complex charts. 
After an evening of knitting, I completed only one repeat of the pattern and felt completely defeated. But I still made a pact with myself that I would work on it a little bit each night until it was done, even if it took forever. Because, after all, she was counting on me. Now, I did pick it up a few more times after that, but after a while it just remained untouched in its large basket beside my couch. The untouched basket that would become a fixture in my home for the next several months. The basket that brought me much stress and anxiety over its unfinished contents. The basket that I soon began to hate every time I caught sight of it because I felt so terrible about the whole thing. Why did I take that afghan anyway? Why? The months ticked by and we moved houses. Along came the basket with the very large unfinished afghan. As the birth of our daughter approached, our very small house was filled with things for the baby. Very quickly the basket became in the way and was placed in our outdoor shed with several other large household items that we needed to store elsewhere. And truthfully, I was glad to have it out of sight because it was completely stressing me out. With the birth of our baby, the unfinished afghan quickly became unimportant. I had so much on my plate at that time. I was 22, a new baby, a new life as a mother to get used to, and a whole new set of seemingly impossible challenges with caring for an infant with serious health problems. My goal at that time was just to get through the day. The last thing I was thinking about was knitting. In fact, life got in the way so much I actually forgot about the basket altogether. Until we moved again, and of course emptied the contents of the shed. It's a funny thing, because although I personally don't care for garlic-infused acrylic, something else finds it irresistible. Mice. To my shock and horror, a nice, decent family of mice had taken a permanent residence in that large basket. They had chewed through the bottom, and had made quite a comfy home for themselves, all snuggled up with all of that acrylic yarn. The afghan panels and yarn had been eaten through and pooped on to the point that it was entirely unsalvageable, not to mention disgusting. It had to be thrown out. Yes, my friends, the afghan was dead. And although I technically wasn't the one who killed it, it really was all my fault. It was my negligence that had led to its demise. And I'm sure that my testimony would have never held up in the scratchy Afghan court of law. I knew that I was responsible. So now you know my shameful secret. And really, I guess that this isn't a knitting story at all. It's a confession. Who's the blanket murderer? Well, it's me. And I will never live it down. And as long as I'm confessing to the crime, I might as well tell you that this story does get worse. I also tried to cover it up. Here's the worst part. I felt so guilty about what had happened that I actually avoided the dear woman who I had inherited it from. I thought, well, if enough time passes, maybe she'll forget. After all, she is old, and old people forget things, and it'll be fine. This whole thing will just blow over. I comforted myself with that thought until I heard a message left on the answering machine one day. A message from her, and it ended with, 
I hope you're enjoying the afghan. It's as if the afghan's acrylic remains were crying out from the landfill. It's as if she knew. I couldn't lie to her, but I couldn't tell her the truth either. All of those precious hours of her knitting. I felt so guilty I couldn't see straight. And I also didn't call her back. I am so sad to tell you that recently this poor woman died. She was sick and very old. Upon hearing of her death, all of my childhood memories came flooding back to me. I mourned her loss. I mourned her garlic house and her candy dish on the table and her pretty cabled afghan that I never finished and let a family of mice use as their bed as well as their toilet. So with that, I feel that although I cannot undo the past, and I cannot bring that afghan back to life, I can finally ease my conscience and own up to the terrible, awful thing that I have done. I have committed a crime against an afghan, and I am sorry. Well, everyone, since I'm starting a fresh podcast season, I am in need of more personal knitting stories to share in future episodes. So this is what I'm going to do. I will send a personal knitting gift to everyone who contributes a knitting story by May 15th. What you will need to do is email me a recording of you sharing a personal knitting related story. The story must be at least five minutes in length, be of good sound quality, have a title, and be free of rough language or innuendo of any sort. Everyone who emails me a story following these guidelines will receive a personal gift from me in either their physical mailbox or their email inbox. Your gift might include a free book, a skein of yarn, some free patterns, a gift certificate, or an unfinished, large, cabled afghan. Now, I may not use all the stories that I receive on the podcast. Every contributor will receive a thank you gift for me, whether I choose to air your story or not. If I get several stories, then I would love to share more than one per episode. So please, help me out. Think of something good and send in your story to nevernotknitting at gmail.com. And if you have a question about how to record, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Listen to some of the older episodes knitting stories if you need some inspiration. I really look forward to hearing from you. As a reminder, this episode's show notes can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. You can also find me over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting. And as I mentioned before, you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. I want to thank you all again for joining me today for episode 61 and the beginning of season 7 of Never Not Knitting. I'll be podcasting on a monthly basis for the next 9 episodes, so please join me again next month for episode 62. Until then, happy knitting. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking from morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't 
about knitting. She just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. And more socks than they could ever wear. Yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.